Welcome back for another new episode of People Are Wild, the little podcast that could. I am your friendly neighborhood ER nurse of a host, Kim, excited to bring you something uh, a little different this week. Today I present to you, for the first time ever in program history, my very first interview. So, I ask that you light all of your own prayer candles, find your most favorite snuggy and tasty beverage, and settle in because this was recorded actually in like late January, and at the time, I made sure that I had my Hulkamania hoodie on, I hunkered down in my beautiful, beautiful van, Dwayne, and listened to Smash Mouth's All-Star on a loop repeat before doing this thing in order to really psych myself up. So I'm ready, if you're ready, to talk about how People are wild. So March is World Endometriosis Month, and yet so many people have no idea what endometriosis even is, myself included. So let's try to remedy that with today's episode. But since I don't really know what I'm talking about, I'm going to use a lifeline, Regis. I'm going to phone a friend. So joining me for my first ever guest, she is one half of the dynamic duo that is the Moms and Murder podcast. She is the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing, son of a gun, who also goes by Melissa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Please fill in all the listeners on what Moms and Murder is actually about, because when I subscribed to it, I thought it was about moms who murder the dance floor, and I think I was a little bit wrong. Hey, Kim. Thanks for having me. Um, Our show, Moms and Murder, is a true crime podcast. And unfortunately, it's not about moms murdering the dance floor. Although Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms is a hero of mine. It's a true crime show. She's in jail, too. She's amazing and terrifying. But she looks terrific now. She looks good. She looks great. (laughs) She's living her best life while evading taxes. So, um... We have a true crime podcast, me and my dear friend, Mandy, and we talk all things true crime. Shout out Um, to Mandy. Shout out to Mandy. And we're kind of heavy on the levity and while staying respectful of victims. So we come at things a little bit from a mom's perspective. So you won't hear really any cases involving children because we simply cannot handle it. Yeah. So how (laughs) does a true crime podcaster relate to a medical podcaster? Well, Melissa actually shares something with a few celebrities, if you will. Uh, Susan Sarandon, Whoopi Goldberg, Cindy Lauper, Dolly Parton, and even Hillary Clinton. And it's not great hair and amazing fashion sense. It's actually endometriosis. So, again, allow me to do some of the heavy lifting here. So just, you know, get comfy, Melissa. As we talk a little bit about endometriosis. Truth bomb. In the United States alone, it is reported that 1 in 10 American women, what's up, Lenny Kravitz, maybe you're listening to this, is diagnosed (laughs) with endometriosis in their reproductive years. This is according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Now again, what is endometriosis, besides being a word that autocorrect is super, super confused by? In a basic definition... It's a super painful condition where tissues that normally line the inside of the uterus go rogue and grow outside of the uterus. Now, before our male listeners tune out, please don't. Just seriously don't. In order for there to really be true awareness about this condition, both men and women need to have an understanding of what is going on. 
How can you expect to be a supportive partner or a good friend to those women in your life who suffer from this if you don't really understand it? So take this opportunity to step up and challenge yourself to learn more about it. So let's get back into what endometriosis is. Now, under normal circumstances, the endometrial tissue sits inside of the uterus and sheds during the period. But for women with endometriosis, that tissue, for unknown reasons, escapes the uterus and attaches to other parts of the body, like the ovaries, fallopian tubes, exterior of the uterus, or even the bowels, among other places which can trigger major pain and even mess with fertility. So there's actually this really great uh, comparison that uh, a doctor out of Princeton, New Jersey, Dr. Maria Sophocles, Uh, makes to kind of give you a better understanding of what endometriosis is. And she says to think of the painter Jackson Pollock, and he was the artist that would take brushes and do the splatter paint patterns everywhere. So if you keep that comparison in mind and you apply it to endometriosis, when the lining of the uterus is shed during the period, some of it leaves the body. But in women with endometriosis, thinking again back to the splatter paint patterns, It is believed that tissue travels backwards and lands on other organs, where the tissue then attaches and begins to grow. So, this rogue, displaced tissue will start to swell and fill with blood during the actual menstrual cycle during a woman's period, just like it would in the uterus. But it doesn't have a clear route to escape the body, and so it will cause inflammation, trigger pain, and form cysts or even scar tissue around ovaries, fallopian tubes, the uterus, and some other areas as well, depending on where it attaches to, all of which can spell trouble if someone is trying to conceive. Um, In fact, infertility and pelvic pain happen to be the two most common symptoms associated with endometriosis. Now, because endometriosis can be mistaken for other diagnoses, which we will be getting into a little bit, um, a lack of awareness of this disease can lead women without leave women without a correct diagnosis for an extended amount of time and without support from their physicians and healthcare providers. This can lead to a lack of appropriate treatment for the pain and an invalidation of the patient's situation. The woman and her family are now led to believe that psychological issues drive the severity of her pain. She starts to think to herself, maybe this is all in my head. In this tragic situation, she's effectively being held prisoner and tortured by her own body, in broad daylight, with no one who fully understands her situation or who can effectively help her. So again, reaching out to the male listeners, consider this. They say that the true test of a man's character is how you react in the face of adversity. So, when the woman that you love, or the woman you adore, or the woman who helps you become a better version of yourself, just admit it, we do, when she is suffering from endometriosis, You need to do better to understand what is happening to her in order to know how to help her and how to advocate for her. You aren't just believing in her just to be that person that says, I believe in you. You believe in her because it's real and endometriosis is real and you never waver from that belief. Now, as a disease, endometriosis can take away many additional aspects of normal life. Mothers cannot reliably meet the needs of their children when the pain is too severe to function Wives try to push through the pain to be intimate with their spouses, but eventually the pain becomes too intense to continue. For any fatigue as severe as that experience with advanced cancer patients is present in some cases. Bloating, moodiness, and bladder or bowel issues are common as well. 
feeling like a vibrant, desirable woman, is long since gone. Acting like the loving, compassionate woman, mother, and partner that she truly is becomes more and more of a chore, and the stress on family relationships becomes all too real. Even at this stage, though, most women fight the disease, refusing to let it completely take over their life. You would more than likely walk right past them in broad daylight on the street, having no idea of the devastation that they're dealing with, the pain that they're dealing with. Most of the time, they get up, put on a brave face, and do their best to live a normal life. Now, no one knows specifically why endometriosis happens. There are a few theories out there, but nothing is concrete as to why it happens. And there's no outright cure for it, but there are some treatments that have yielded varying degrees of success for women. Doctors often prescribe birth control, which can help prevent flare-ups by studying hormones, as well as anti-inflammatory medicines to help with the pain. In more severe cases, patients may have surgery to remove some of the endometriosis and that resulting scar tissue to minimize symptoms and to help preserve fertility. But let's just pump the brakes just for a second, because there is a second person here, And I'm a little bit tired of talking, and you're probably tired of hearing my voice. So in my research, I I saw that abnormal periods are often somewhat of a first indication for women about something being not quite right. So with your case, and with everything you've gone through, when did that start in your mind sort of with like, is something not quite normal? And how did you start down the road towards well, eventually getting an endometriosis diagnosis. So um, my first kind of sign that something wasn't right was in 2006. I had a, really a lot of pain that came on pretty quickly and went to the hospital and had two pretty large cysts removed. I'm sorry, pretty large cysts in my left ovary that needed to be removed because at the time they looked like complex cysts and the doctor thought either there could be something more to them or that it would rupture my ovary. So I had that surgery and as a female, periods in general just aren't something you talk about or I was kind of a prude. I've always been a prude. So it's not something I really had a lot of conversations about. Obviously you didn't hang out in my circles. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to me, we just just talk about everything. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, yeah, I just, I don't know. For whatever reason, that's just kind of how I've For most been. people, you and just don't bring it up at lunch. Yeah, yeah. It's not a conversation you're going to have with your dad. So, you know, it just was something I kind of avoided. So to me, I always thought what I was going through was normal. I would have, you know, periods that could last 13 days. And I thought that was normal. And it's not. <laughs> um, but without talking about it, like you're doing now and kind of normalizing it um, for, you know, bringing people to be able to understand it, um, you really sometimes don't know. People go years without being diagnosed. So I, um, which is what happened with your case. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I had the surgery and you know, it was just kind of a quick removal and it was like one of those seven o'clock at night surgery. So they're not looking for endometriosis. They're just thinking this is a fluke shortly after that or around that time. I can't remember honestly exactly the timeline for this, Um, but I started having this pain near my lung, like the left side, almost like my below my shoulder blades. I can't explain anything just, um, (laughs) so if you're looking at a picture of the human body, it's somewhere near your lung. So I started having this pain there and, uh, it would cause me to have like this shortness of breath. It was, it was very hard to catch my breath 
I never felt like I could completely take one breath. Like I always felt like I was just barely breathing, kind of like someone, I guess, with asthma. But I went through all these asthma tests, don't have asthma. You know, they're ruling things off. You never had any lung problems. Zero. I'd never smoked a cigarette. I told you I was a prude. It just, you know, there's no reason for me to have any lung (laughs) issues. And I'm tall. So like my lungs have room to like move around. There's no reason. Got real estate in there. (laughs) I do. I can rent my lung space out. My chest cavity could be rented out. Um, But that's not this kind of show. So I ended up having a couple lung collapses during this time. Um, I had a total of three, the third one being like bad enough to put me in the hospital and kind of made me realize, oh, you weren't having anxiety or acid reflux before you were having a lung collapse. And um, it was one of those things where you go to the ER with like, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like, so were you kind of playing it off thinking like, it's all in my head. People are probably right. I'm just kind of imagining things. Is that why it was yeah. like it took three times? Well, you know, it's weird to call somebody. You're, I was in my early 20s and I'm like, call my parents or even my mother-in-law, who's wonderful, and kind of said, hey, my chest hurts really bad and it's hard for me to catch my breath and something doesn't feel right. And so they're saying, oh, you're having a panic attack, which I'm thinking, no, sure. <laughs> or you're having acid <laughs> reflux because no one's first thought is you're having a lung collapse. Like that's just not on anyone's radar. And plus, I don't want to put people out and inconvenience people by bringing me to the hospital. So I'm thinking like, well, I'm still breathing. So it can't be that bad. Like (laughs) it'll take a big turn if it's bad. And so um, by the time I had the third one, you know, I, I was in the hospital and they told me what happened and they're kind of like, we don't really know what happened. Um, Cause Kim, you know, kind of the, description or the type of person who typically gets a spontaneous, For a spontaneous pneumothorax. pneumo yeah it's a fun sexy phrase use it every day all day um but usually <laughs> usually it's for young caucasian males who are tall that fit that profile of having a spontaneous lung collapse out of nowhere and they come into right. the er and we rapidly uh take care of that situation and so most of the time people end up with a chest tube in them for a little while until things go back to the right way of being for their lungs and we say all right it just it kind of happens like that sorry that's just the luck of the draw and you know they might end up having it again or they might never end up having one again but in your case you didn't really fit the bill of a lot of those well maybe a couple but a couple of them yeah but that's been my whole like medical experience is like, you don't really fit that bill. So that can't be what it is. Or we don't know what's going on with you. So um, I, you know, I'm at the hospital going through all this, but then I realize like something's not normal because I'm having this cramping and then I'm starting to put together, like I'm keeping a little journal and starting to realize I'm having the worst cramping and the worst like lung pain when I'm on my period or really close to my period. So like I could, I could track my period, but I would know kind of like how somebody with like a bad knee is like, Oh, it's about to rain or something. Like I would know, Oh, I'm going to have my period tomorrow (laughs) because I can't breathe. You're like, Oh, I can't Um, breathe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was around this time that I was like kind of putting it together and saw a few OBGYNs you know, and would tell them my symptoms. And they were like, you know what, you might have endometriosis, 
but it's not in your lung. Like, don't worry about that. But we'll do exploratory surgery and see these other issues you're having. So I was scheduled for my first surgery and did all my lab work and stuff and got a call and got a wonderful call saying, sorry, your surgery's canceled, but you're pregnant. And so that was wonderful Which and is, great. And yeah. And amazing. With, you know, <laughs> right. And going back to kind of what I said before, infertility sometimes is a very big concern um, with endometriosis. So, I mean, you were probably thinking like, I have endometriosis, but when you got that call, were you kind of like for a second going, oh, wait a second, don't usually people with endometriosis have trouble with, you know, getting pregnant? Yeah. Like, did you think for a second, like, maybe you were off? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought, like, that's kind of how the whole thing went, where it would be like, well, maybe this is what's going on, but then something didn't quite fit the bill. And then it was like, well, maybe this is all all in my head, honestly. That's kind of what I, I would yeah. always think. Yeah, so... Because it is, that's obviously, infertility is a huge thing. So it was a huge blessing, and I'm super thankful I was able to get pregnant, but there's still no answers. So as I'm pregnant, my, you know, your hormones obviously change during pregnancy, and my lung starts feeling better, or my lung area, and obviously my cramping is better and stuff. And so when that kind of happened during my pregnancy, and I'm Googling and doing all this stuff, I'm realizing, like, no, this really could be connected and I just have to get somebody to believe me but that you know then there's a part of you that's like oh, I'll have this baby maybe this won't be happening anymore or maybe it was all in my head and so I had my wonderful sweet little daughter in 2009 and I nursed her and right around the six month mark or so I started having lung pain again or that area pain and cramping and all that stuff and within a few days I started my period and so it was kind of right. like, no, something is definitely connected. Yeah. So, Melissa, when you had, you already had your first, your first kiddo, and then you noticed that everything was kind of coming back after you had started having your periods again. How long did it take between that point and the point that you actually had gotten, um, that you got your endometriosis diagnosis? Like how, how long was that journey in, in finding the doctor that would eventually provide you with finally this answer that you had had that hunch about for a while? So I had my daughter in 2009 and it wasn't until 2011 I was able to have surgery and kind of get a confirmation. After I had my daughter, I took every Thursday out of my work schedule and I had the day off. And I would bring this little baby to OBGYN after OBGYN after OBGYN, trying to figure out to find somebody who would listen to me and hear me tell them, you know, I had these lung collapses and I think these things are related. I think I have lung endometriosis. And doctor after doctor Which is after super, doctor. Super, super rare. Super rare. And so I understand why nobody's like, yeah, you do. Um, but a lot of, some of them were like, you could tell they just kind of thought I was crazy, honestly. And other ones were like comforting, but just really, I I don't think that's what's going on. Or let's try asthma tests. Let's try this. And then um, I finally found this like old man doctor who delivered my husband hundred years ago. Well, my husband's not that old. I'm not Erica Jane, but um, so I see this doctor. Oh, it's a real Housewives of Beverly Hills reference. Um, it is. 
No, I picked up on it, but other people might not. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a shout out to our friend who is like reality TV queen. Well, queen, your favorite person, Mother Jody. Mother Jody. TV podcast. Yes. Please go listen. We love her recap. Yes, it's wonderful. So she'll get it. If she's listening, she'll understand the reference. Let's get back to endometriosis. <laughs> sure. Okay. And so, finding the endometriosis diagnosis. Because I love yes, saying okay. that so many times. Thank you. It's great. So I see this doctor and he says, you know, the only way we can really get somebody to believe you is if you go through these Lupron therapy injections. And so those basically are, you can explain this better, synthetic hormones that kind of yeah. put you into a, go ahead. It's like a hormone replacement therapy of sorts. It's not necessarily for people who are younger in your no, case. No, no, it's not. Um, it would be more appropriate at the age I am now. Um, but the idea is basically it puts you into my non-medical term for it is fake menopause. And so it changes your That's hormone pretty close levels. pretty medical term for it. Thank you. Um, fa menopause is I think what you guys call it. And so I would get these injections and it kind of put my body into what my body thought was menopause. And so as I did that, my lung felt better. My cramping was down. Like it was kind of a confirmation. Like (laughs) they did. It was amazing. And like a Snickers just showed up on my desk. Yeah, it was Amazing. amazing. And so that was kind of where the doctor was like, okay, I believe you. And, um, then he worked with coordinating. Old man Willie Nelson. (laughs) Old man Willie Nelson. Uh, minus the pot and the braids, but just as cool. He um, coordinated with a doctor in Gainesville who is a specialist in endometriosis, Dr. Mawad. He is at Shans, and I will say his name because he's wonderful. And and everyone should see him. Yeah, Shans is awesome. And so I saw him, and the first appointment I had with him was like an hour and a half. Like he did these really thorough consults, and I cried, and he just like. Which is what you want from a doctor. You want them to be yeah. so thorough with, with things that are hard to diagnose in any sort of thing. You know, not just endometriosis, but people who have chronic pain issues. They, you you kind of crave a confirmation that this is not all in your head. Yeah, you feel, I mean, at this point, just him acknowledging like, yeah, I think I think you're right, was it just, you know, I burst into tears because I just thought I was going crazy. Nobody was believing right. me. So, um, he was coordinating with a doctor in Orlando to have, um, to have a lung surgery. They originally were going to do it at the same time to remove any endometriosis I had in my lung and then do the regular pelvic endometri- endometriosis removal surgery that I can't remember the official name to. Laparoscopy. Why can't I remember that? <laughs> but just to go back so, so I, people remember, yeah. like there is with endometriosis, I mean, you think about it that it's origin point is in the pelvis. I mean, it's by the uterus. So, um, you know, to have two surgeries to do this was not uncommon in the case of having something that is thought to be a rare location for your endo being in your lung or in your eye, like I read about for another woman who had endometriosis. So it's not uncommon to, to have like that second sort of exploratory surgery because of the fact that you might have it in another place that's not just in your pelvic region. Right. So even getting that surgery with the thoracic surgeon was not easy because he was not on board with it being endometriosis. But since I had a history of 
lung collapses. He was on board with doing like exploratory surgery. Okay, so I met with the thoracic surgeon in Orlando. I will not give his name because he does not deserve his name to be spoken by me. Not my favorite dude, but he was a good surgeon, I guess. All right. Um, so we went through the surgery and, you know, it's they put the chest tube in, collapse your lung, scrub your lung down. And they, of course, did biopsies. And when they did biopsies, they did find endometriosis. My husband said when I actually woke up out of surgery. Yeah, and my first confirmation, he said that all I was saying with, like, no air was, did they find endometriosis? Because even, like, coming out of a, you know, or out of surgery, that's all I cared about because it was just not happening. You know, I just felt like I was so crazy for many reasons, but that being a big one. I had that surgery, not fun, but at least at this point I could say this is why I don't feel good. (laughs) Like, there's a name to this. And um, so then I had the next surgery um, in November of that year, December of that same year. Prior to that, Kim likes this story. I had to see a physical therapist for well, <laughs> pelvic floor therapy. Well, you like some of the story. Yeah. Well, I do. No, no. It, but it's like, you know, with pelvic floor therapy, it's actually not uncommon when you are suffering from endometriosis to need pelvic floor therapy uh, due to all the spasming of the muscles that actually weaken things. So it's not uncommon for that to be something that you have to do um, along the sort of nature of the beast with endometriosis that sometimes is something you need to do. But you have what I think I, I termed a Florida special yes. for your particular experience with pelvic physical therapy. So yeah, definitely go into that because um, yeah. I will still laugh. <laughs> so I would go to physical therapy and pass all the people like lifting weights and rehabbing their knee and like cheering for each other to be able to walk for the first time in months. And I would be like escorted yeah, to a room ACL in the back. ACL repairs. Like, yeah. A very dark room in the back with like calming music and basically like probes all over my lower half, like pulsating probe things. There's no other way to explain it. It was very terrible (laughs) and embarrassing and all those things, but it was necessary. So I'm all about doing whatever I can to avoid further problems. Um, But at the end of the therapy, the... Did it help though? No, it didn't. I ended up a couple years later, um, it actually got a lot worse. And when I had a later surgery... Things were actually, how do you say this nicely? Parts of my body that were inside my body were outside of my body. And so she had prolapsed everything down there. Yes, I had to prolapse everything. But um, that's a pretty word for it. But yeah, basically, Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that wasn't normal because it was happening for so long. And my body was just so screwed up. Like, that's just another thing. And there's not a box to really check that off at the doctor. So I didn't realize it wasn't oh, just other. normal, honestly. <laughs> well, other needs to be a little more specific. Or they just need to write, like, these are the normal things. Anything else? <laughs> and I could have filled yeah. it out. But so anyway, that therapy so you have the physical therapy. Really do a lot. Yeah. They sent me to a, um, they, they said I should see a massage therapist to help. And that massage therapist, I was told, worked with a dog who was rescued during Hurricane Katrina. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so I made a call knowing I was never going to see this person just to kind of ask. Did you make the call just to be like, what in the world is going on? 
of course. So I left a voicemail and I saw them call back and I was not interested. I was basically like, I just want to know how you use dogs in the therapy. And I just um, have many questions. (laughs) I want to call PETA on you. Um, and so they called back. I call like David Letterman's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. So I don't remember all of the voicemail, but I remember sending it to several friends and them just laughing hysterically over the lady explaining how the dog basically got like magical powers during Hurricane Katrina and could help. The dog was from Krypton. I'm still convinced that that was actually (laughs) Superman's dog and that it rode. It was like the Ark. Maybe it was like Noah's Ark where it got rescued and like it carried an olive branch to like symbolize peacetime in the Gulf. Basically, yeah, he like climbed up on a roof and gave somebody bread or something. Next, I um, had the endometriosis actual removal surgery in my pelvic cavity. Um, And they found endometriosis kind of everywhere on my ovaries, fallopian tubes, near my rectum. I had actually been having symptoms prior to that that um, I explained to the doctor, uh, like, like you were sitting on a knife. So when I was on my period, I could only sit either on something or I would have to sit at certain angles. I couldn't directly sit down because like deep in my stomach was incredibly painful. Um, So I had like a, yeah, I had a large like nodule and going into it, I had to have a colonoscopy because there was a chance that it could have um, been like involved my colon, right? Is that right? No, that it could have involved my bowel and could have needed um, like a possibly have a colostomy bag. So, um, so yeah, it's nice to go to sleep and not know like how you're going to know if you're going to wake up with Um, a bag. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, it should probably be mentioned though, that, Along the way for uh, endometriosis, it is not uncommon to be misdiagnosed with IBS or bowel or bladder issues um, because just of the way that the endometrial tissue attaches, it ends up attaching to parts of the colon, bowels, or to the bladder, and it can cause all these problems that are initially misdiagnosed because people don't necessarily connect the dots. So exactly. It pro- it probably wouldn't be uncommon for somebody to just be thinking that they just have really bad IBS or even have a diagnosis in that family of IBS with maybe, you know, a Crohn's diagnosis. But it's also not uncommon for people with endometriosis to have issues like Crohn's or colitis on top of having endometriosis. So if you think about it, there's just people who live with this level of pain and that's their normal. And that's kind of like amazing in a way and also heartbreaking. Well, it is what it is. That wasn't your case because <laughs> you, know, you didn't wake no. up with any sort of ostomy or anything. You didn't wake up with no. sort of that new reality, but some people do. Mm-hmm. So I just, right. it's probably worth, you know, it's a little bit worth mentioning, but in your case that didn't sure. happen. Yeah. I was super lucky. And so I, Kind of after that, I had a pretty good experience. Like I felt really good for several months, probably up to about a year. And then um, I was pregnant, I guess, in 2012 and had my son in 2013. So again, another basically, in my opinion, miracle birth, because uh, I've always been thankful that I've had endometriosis in kind of weirder spots, because I feel like that's kind of helped me in a way, like infertility issues that 
that was not right kind of preserved it in a very weird way way. (laughs) yeah so I had my son in 2013 and just continued to have issues same idea when I was pregnant I felt great when I was nursing I felt great and as that came to a close and the hormones came back I felt really bad again I emailed my doctor and said you know what are your thoughts on hysterectomy I'm done having kids super thankful for the ones I have but I don't think I can do this anymore and hysterectomy is not an end-all be-all but I did not want to have surgeries every two years that obviously causes a lot of scar tissue. Endometriosis already causes scar tissue. I'm worried right. about all of my other organs. Like anything I could do to decrease my chances of having endometriosis is what I wanted to do. So I scheduled Which again a- isn't uncommon for younger people to do that, uh, to choose to have either a full or a partial or whatever's appropriate for them. Um, you know, you... You end up, at least in the ER, you know, we end up seeing people with a medical history. They're they're barely like 32 and they already have had a full hysterectomy because of endometriosis and in, a, in the effort to delay having further surgeries for just scar tissue removal. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's one of those, it's a personal decision and that's what I decided to go with. For sure. I had been on birth control forever just to kind of help with hormones and I just didn't want to do that anymore. And um, I just... I was fine with an extreme measure. If I thought that could help, then that's what I was going to do. So I had that. It was great. Of course, I had a lot of endometriosis. I went into that surgery thinking, what if this is all in my head again? Even though it wasn't in my head Mm -hmm. the time before. Even though you have like the the diagnosis in your hand, though, like you have it on a piece of paper, but you still have that mentality. Yeah. You think this time, you know, maybe the cramps I was having weren't that bad. Maybe my stomach swollen all the time wasn't that bad. Maybe... Maybe I already knew the symptoms, and so I was creating them in my head. Just way backwards thinking. But that's kind of how I thought. So, But that's not uncommon. I, um, yeah. No. <laughs> so I had that surgery, and it's that was just in 2016, and it's gone pretty well. I've had some symptoms in the last few months. Um, but, you know, So that's how are you doing today in where... terms of, like, maintaining things? Yeah, so I... Um, Definitely I'm having cramps again in the last couple months and swelling and overall being tired. That's one thing. I don't know how to explain that, but I get incredibly just exhausted. I feel worn out. Like my body just feels like it's going so much and it's really not. It's basically fighting against me. But um, so I, I don't know how else to explain that. Yeah. So I feel it's like it's just like severe exhaustion. I mean, like. I think when I said before was that no, no, no. Because what I said before was that it's not uncommon for women with endometriosis to have such a level of fatigue that cancer patients experience. And it's just the way that sort of the condition goes. So it's not uncommon. It happens in pretty much most people. It seems like can say that they have this level of fatigue but it probably is like, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? And and again, maybe even playing into that, maybe it's all in my head. Maybe oh, yeah. it's something else. Absolutely. Um, I, we hadn't talked about this before, but earlier this year, I was actually be- diagnosed with Crohn's before getting a second opinion saying I didn't have it. So I had other, I was having issues again and had a colonoscopy and this doctor I saw said, yeah, you've got these things going on. You've got these ulcers and it looks like you have um, Crohn's disease and see another doctor, do another colonoscopy and everything was fine. But 
something is going on in my body. So I'm aware that things aren't normal, but it's kind of, I know what the next step is. I know it's more surgery and can I deal with not having surgery right now? Yeah, I, I'm good, (laughs) you know? So it's kind of that, that's looming over me all the time. Like when, when is it enough that you want to do that again? And I don't want to, I've got, you know, little kids and overall I'm doing really good. (laughs) So I don't want to do that again. And plus, again, in my brain, I think, could this be in my head? Am I making this up again? And I've never made it up. So it's just backwards. Right. But it's Somebody just, should really it's call still Dr. there. Drew. Or Dr. <laughs> Phil. Some help. Take your pick, maybe. <laughs> Dr. Phil may be more. Nah, he won't be helpful. I like Dr. Drew and his like sports coat t-shirt combination. That would make, put me right at ease <laughs> instead of Dr. Phil. Every teen head. mom reunion. There so, you go. <laughs> uh, if I can ask this, because I'm going to, who or what has been your greatest like inspiration throughout this whole journey that you're on and will essentially be on for a majority of your life? Yeah. So um, I have a very supportive husband. He's the best and has always been super patient with me through it. My kids are great. My in-laws, my immediate family. So they've always believed this, you know, they've always believed that I'm not feeling good or, you know, whatever's going on. So there are some people that deal with people in their family who are just kind of over it. And I've never come across that. So that's huge. Having a support team and people you can talk to and, um, support groups can be good and they can be a little dangerous because sometimes it's very negative Nancy. So I'm always, especially if you're online with support groups, Uh, that can (laughs) always be a dicey, dicey sort of battlefield to encounter for any sort of condition or anything regarding pretty much anything Uh, going online. You have to tread very, very lightly with a lot of stuff that's out there and that's, put out there by people who claim to be with certain organizations. So it's definitely, I would just kind of as a disclaimer, look at a lot more sources than just one Facebook mom that says that and swears up and down that something worked for them. So do a little bit more research than what Linda says. Absolutely. (laughs) Listen, Linda, listen. Um, Listen, Linda. Yeah. Listen, Linda is, is kind of a, is not always helpful. So I enjoy the support groups online for the most part, but you know, you have to be very careful about not everyone's looking out for your best interest. Some people are dramatic. Some people have really good intentions, but are misinformed. So um, definitely connect with a really good doctor. I'm basically in love with my doctor in Gainesville, but we're separated by several hundred miles and both of us are married to other people. So it's never going to work, but um <laughs> But he's been like, in your head, maybe so well, and so wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> my head. A lot of things are going on, but no, he's been wonderful, and I can email him and say, you know, what, what do you think about this, or what sh- what do you think I should do? And and he's super helpful. So find a good endometriosis doctor if you have any Absolutely. symptoms, cramping, swelling, all these things. You don't know what's going on. Like, just keep going. Keep keep looking for answers. Like, don't give up because it it can get worse and become more miserable. So you want to, you want to treat it while you can. Well, and Not you just want to have, die. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, endometriosis, you, you don't die of endometriosis. Yeah. There's 
things associated with it that can happen to the rest of your body that can lead to some other things, but you don't die directly as a result of endometriosis. Um, So that's probably worth mentioning a little bit. Uh, It's not necessarily fatal in and of itself, but some people do have some complications that lead to other things that cause the body to be very sick and ultimately end up dying from that but not from the endometriosis itself right but you're you're right i mean just going back with having a provider that believes in you it's hard because in the er if a person comes in and they say you know i have endometriosis and we go okay well right now you're having abdominal pain let's say you're in the er for that and on the zero to ten scale zero being no pain at all carefree ten being the worst pain you've ever had where would you rate your pain right now and if you say nine and I look at you or another nurse, maybe not me. I'm going to say another nurse because I'll believe you. <laughs> but another nurse might come in and see that you're sitting, you look comfortable, you're talking with people, you're not crying out in pain, you're not rolling around on the floor. And they might walk out of your room, talk to the doctor and be like, this lady says that she has 9 out of 10 pain. She has endometriosis. I think she's full of it. That is not an uncommon exchange, unfortunately for us in our profession to say things like that. And it's super awful. And I have had my mind go there with patients, but I mean, I try not to, I try to keep myself in check and I do believe people and I take them at their word because if you're living at an eight out of 10 constantly, regardless of your condition, internal pain is something that we have to believe in the medical field. And just because somebody doesn't come in with their arm broken and there's obvious pain doesn't mean that that person should, we shouldn't believe one person over another just because something's internal versus external. And I think that if people can change that thinking as providers, and if we work towards believing more of our patients, then we become those providers that you, you know, that you have that you're like, absolutely locked into. And if you have that person, even in an ER situation that you can be like, this person has my best interest in mind, that makes a world of difference as a patient, as a family member, and as a healthcare provider, because everybody's on the same sort of game, game plan going forward. And if something comes up, it's not the end of the world. Right. But yeah, that's just my observation. So, I mean, it's so important, I I agree with you, to have that provider that's, like, believes you. For sure. Makes all the difference in the world. Though you were saying, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, after having lung surgery, I could tell you what a 10 out of 10 pain scale is. But um, Oh, for sure, yeah. If I went to the ER, my pain would probably be a 5 or 6. It would not be a 10 because I know that that's, like, (laughs) I'm dying. That's your max. Yeah. So that's like, I I know what that feels like. So, but five or six compared to a 10 is still pretty crappy. So that's kind of a hard thing. But I, I also knew if I went to the ER, it doesn't do anything. Like you can do x-rays, you can do ultrasounds. I really know what's going on already. I just need to talk to my doctor because typically endometriosis, you don't see on a scan. You don't see, you might see effects of it. You might see typically, but I mean, they, they don't, as a norm, diagnose you with endometriosis based on a CT scan or, you know, an MRI. They might see something. Yeah, like it's not sure. Sh- you really about. can't show up on radiology. Yeah. Right. So you're kind of, you go to the ER and you have scans and stuff and it's like, well, I don't see anything, you know. 
And uh, so I can see how that's frustrating for somebody that goes to the ER with endometriosis pain and not knowing what it is because you feel crazy. Nothing's showing up and you know you're having these problems. So that leads into somewhat of my next question then. What would you say to somebody who suspects that they have endometriosis? Like, you know, what would be something that you wish somebody said to you going back to, you know, a long, long time ago of 2006 <laughs> when things started? What, what would you want somebody to say to you in terms of just guidance even? That is a good that question. That it's not all in your head um, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah, that it's not all in your head really. There are things out there that people have that other people can't see when they look at you. And so that was always a really difficult thing for me. But even having somebody outside of my family say, I believe you, would have been super helpful, especially early on when I was just desperate for answers. Now, if I'm having pain and stuff, I'm like, all right, I know what it is. I have a history of it. It's fine. You know, I'll figure it out. But back then, it was just a big question mark. And sometimes that's worse than a diagnosis because you just, you do anything for an answer. Like, so you can plan and you can figure out what to do. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when something's wrong with your body, you, you want an answer and you kind of want it pretty fast. So, I mean, it's not uncommon for people with endometriosis to be waiting years for their diagnosis. So I agree with kind of just saying like, keep advocating for yourself and keep telling people, no, there's something wrong. And then once you find that doctor that's like, I think you're right, stick with them for a while because they're probably onto something and there's a good a reason why they believe you. Yeah. <laughs> keep them. There's a keep, kept, kept <laughs> doctor right there. There you go. So what, what would you want any of our esteemed listeners to take away from our discussion in general? First, that Kim is a wonderful interviewer and a lovely person. No. And second. Not really. <laughs> Just an ER nurse. And horrible. <laughs> You're good. Second, like I try to do this with my life in general, but it really helps me with endometriosis. Like life is so short. And so as much as endometriosis sucks or whatever you're going through sucks, like you can find good things in your life and it's good to have good things to focus on. So I have my kids, I have my family. Life's wonderful. <laughs> it really is. I have yeah. a really good life and I just have this little thing that kind of sucks. It could be way worse. So I just try to be thankful for that and try to focus on that. I mean, there's days I'm screaming about something at my children. There's lots of days I'm doing that, but overall, like that's part of really being a mom, right? Short. Yeah, yeah. That's like why you have a Moms and Murder podcast so that you could just like talk about the murder and just internalize right. and then just push that out into a case. Interna yeah, internalize the rage and get it out later. Well, Melissa, you like playing games, right? Don't play games with my heart, Kim. I love it. I was about to say, it's a Backstreet Boys reference right there. Um, so I always do You Got What Stuck Where at the end of all my episodes. And I don't really want to do that with you because that would just be a little weird. And I don't know if we're on that level yet. So <laughs> I decided to do a Would You Rather type of game, somewhat revolving around nostalgia in a way. And maybe some reality TV, because I know that's in your wheelhouse. So yes, let's do it if you're into it. Let's go. All right. Um, I should just mention that this is take two. So some of these are a little bit, well, I guess a little finagled so as to keep it fresh, right? So Right, but I, I have mom brain, so I don't rem 
I won't remember any of it. She doesn't remember a lot of it. All right. (laughs) So, would you rather be stuck in a room for an hour listening to Spencer Pratt talk about his crystals or Countess Luann doing a sound check of Money Can't Buy You Class for an hour? For an hour. I would love to see Luann, like, fresh out of rehab singing Money Can't Buy You Class without alcohol. I think that would be one of the greatest joys of my life. That music video, by the way, whoever airbrushed her was deserved an Oscar, I think, for <laughs> cinematography, editing, sound production, everything, because she looks flawless in that music video. She does. Um, she's, she's the I countess. just wanted to put that out there. She is, even though she's not really. You're walking outside nope. when a stray dog, who is not a Katrina dog healing dog, starts to follow you yes. around. And then the only way to get rid of it is to play something that the dog will not be able to stand. So, would you rather start to play a track by Lindsay Lohan, a.k.a. her one-time hit, Rumors, or would you rather play a song by Paris Hilton, and I think she had (sighs) Stars Are Blind. Yes, that is a song that she did. I really kind of loathe Paris Hilton, even more than Lindsay Lohan. So I'm going to go Lindsay Lohan because I love Lindsay Mean Lohan. Yeah. Mean Girls is a classic. Would you rather put together an Ikea piece of furniture with Danielle or Evelyn from 90 Day Fiance? With Danielle or Evelyn? Ooh, um, uh-huh. okay. Now I got to think about this. That's I right. Yes, you do. Choose... <laughs> oh, gosh. I would choose Danielle because I feel like at worst, she, she needs a friend. Cry in a corner. Yeah, she needs a friend. I could be that for her, and Evelyn would just you could ruin my life. Her she'd Evelyn everything up, and she'd Evelyn it all, and it would all be Evelyn. If so, you yeah, I'm gonna go. Danielle don't get that reference again. Go listen to the reality TV podcast because it's amazing. Yes. Amazing, just, just putting that out there. So you <laughs> just hopped into a DeLorean and went back in time to your younger years. You get invited to go to three parties, but can only choose one to attend. Do you go to the one party that is hosted by Kelly Kapowski, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or Ugg from Salute Your Shorts? Oh, Kelly Kapowski. She was so fun, and I was never popular in high school, so that would be like the closest I could be to being popular. Fair enough. That's true. And Lisa could be there, too. You never know. She's a good person. I like Lisa. She's so hip. Um, So while you're still in this youth-ness time travel... Let's say you come into contact with a whole lot of GC-161. Would you rather have the abilities like Alex Mack ended up developing or become immune to Jesse Spano's caffeine pills, but still get so excited, so excited, but not quite so scared? (laughs) I would do anything to have some of those caffeine pills. That is some of the best television there ever was with Jesse Spano breaking out in song. I love that whole scene so much. And then she went and did Showgirls. Do not look that up. That's a horrible movie. No. (laughs) It's awful. All right. You are still in your younger years for the sake of this question. So in order to go back to the future, do you seek out the help of Clarissa, who can apparently explain it all, or get Corey and Topanga packed together because that's somehow necessary for your return back to the future. So I feel like Corey and Topanga now are on a show called Girl Meets World. So they made it. It got canceled, but yes. Oh, then maybe that will change my answer. No, I'm going to go. But Angela and Sean were not together. Well, then what is it? What is the point? 
What is the point of any of it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still bitter. <laughs> you need you need to start your reality TV career off on the right foot. And VH1 announced that they're reviving some of their programming from back in the day. So would you rather spend a season with Flava Flav, Brett Michaels, or on The Surreal Life? Easy. The Surreal Life every time. That was the best television <laughs> in the world. And Big Brother 2.0. Big Brother Celebrity U.S. Celebrity Edition. Yes. yes. It will be out by the time this is released. By the time um, this airs, that's yeah. basically our new Surreal Life. Yeah, I'm excited. Surreal Life 2.0, baby. I can't wait. All right, last question. Would you rather lose your left arm to a seal attack and you're all right, or find out that you're married to a never nude? So I love an Arrested Development question. This is absolutely perfect. I would rather, oh, I don't know. I'd rather be married to a never nude, I think, because it would be Tobias and he's wonderful. Actually, no, I'm going to change Mrs. Featherbottom. I, this seal. Yeah, I would rather lose my arm in, with a seal because I just love Buster Bluth so much. Lucille, too. Oh, yes. such good memories. Go watch Arrested Development. It's a great series. So, Melissa, thank you so much for being here with me. Tell everybody how they can find Moms and Murder and when you guys air and drop your new episodes and maybe even a sneak peek at something coming up. I'm just kidding. This is being recorded like so far in advance that don't worry about it. I don't even know what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> And this will be in the past when you hear it. And I still won't have known what I yeah. did that day. True. Moms and Murder, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. At some variation of Moms and Murder. Maybe add the word podcast. Maybe not. It's late and I don't remember <laughs> exactly where you can find us. We drop new episodes on Tuesdays and have a lot of fun over or on Twitter and all the other places you can find podcast related shenanigans. They're really great. They're awesome people. I am super fortunate that Melissa joined me for this and shared her story. I encourage everybody out there to learn more about endometriosis, um, feel free to reach out to me or I don't know, Melissa, can they reach out to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. So That'd if you have help. questions about any of it, reach out to any of us and thanks for listening. All right, everyone. Now I realized that when this was recorded back a few months ago, we actually mentioned at the time Big Brother and it being like a Surreal Live 2.0, but we didn't really realize at the time that the Big Brother they were playing was a shortened version of the season, like as in three weeks instead of three months, apparently. But it was amazing to watch. I was glued to my live feeds on my days off. I'm not ashamed to admit that because I love that sort of stuff. It was dramatic and it was great. And I hope and I pray that we get to see some more of that very, very soon. And the recording, it's weird to comment on it, having done it in the past, about what we were talking about that was in the future that is now currently the past it's always kind of trippy but it was something we mentioned so I just wanted to kind of at least address that I need to again thank Melissa for joining me uh, you're an amazing amazing person and I feel very honored to help in sharing your story maybe even hashtag blessed I highly encourage anyone listening to give the Moms and Murder podcast a listen, but be prepared to get pretty much obsessed with it from the very first episode. Personally, I hid in a bathroom at work, and I used it so often during one of my shifts that people assumed that I had the stomach flu and they actually sent me home early. So... 
thanks moms and murder for that actually though on a serious note the moms and murder podcast has been unbelievably supportive of not only my program and what i do but loads and loads of other podcasts across the whole entire podcasting realm they provide nothing but positive energy and they're just two amazingly just compassionate and and very giving women so podcasting has been an interesting journey and they were the first to believe in my program and they continued to help me out with it so i'm very grateful for their friendship i'm also grateful to all of you who listen to this program Every week I have fun figuring out new things to talk about and to present and and talk about with you guys and I enjoy interactions on social media. That's been so much fun. Your reviews and your feedback, they're so amazing and humbling and I am very grateful for even the constructive criticism that is sometimes less constructive and more criticism, but I, it's fine. I get it. And you know what? It's opportunities to learn and I, and I welcome that as much as I do compliments. So I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of People Are Wild. Uh, we'll probably resume regular scheduled whatever programming next week or in the next couple weeks. So I wish you nothing but a great week ahead. Believe in the good and do something special for yourself this week. Hey, it's Jody from Reality TV Podcast, your source for snarky reality TV recaps. I'm your best friend in inner voice as we cringe watch all the shows we love and love to hate. From Bravo TV to TLC, MTV to Lifetime, even those shows and documentaries on WeTV and Netflix. I watch it all and break down the fine details that'll have you screaming and crying in laughter. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app by searching Reality TV or find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube at Reality TV Pod, or just go to realitypodcast.com. I cannot wait to meet you and laugh with you soon.